What's up, Ongi? You there? How you, yeah, how you doing, Riggy? Good to hear from you, brother. Good. Yeah, where is Phil? I don't look at that. Um, yeah, he's at five. Finished at five, so he's right there. I mean, as far as, like, watching this on TV and on the leaderboard, it's tough to beat this. Right? Dude, it's, it's so fun to watch. I was watching yesterday, and, like, I had to, like, force myself to leave the TV <laughs> in order to, like, go do things. Because I would yeah. just be, I'd be locked in for five hours. He like, pissed just... his pants twice yesterday. Couldn't even. Just stuck on the couch. I ain't leaving. Battled right through it. Get him the, get him the bottle. Stuck I ain't pausing anything. I ain't... Get him a Gatorade bottle. Actually, Sprite's probably good for you, player. <laughs> uh, exactly. A little dumb and dumber action. <laughs> uh grapes love it well uh so we usually get her going with a little warm-up man great just to kind of ease into it just some quick hitters so um right out of the gate i'm gonna go with tiger or jack who do you got obviously jack has the record and may in fact keep it but i'm tiger um he's my era he blew it open so big worldwide. Yeah. And I got to see it all firsthand and really drove me. Um, being a you know golf professional, a teacher, really drove me into the industry and, and kind of my, my kind of career path. So, you know, obviously Jack is great and did great things for the game as well. But yeah, Tiger's my, my guy. Yeah. yeah, he might be. He might have given him, given you a career. Old, Pretty old much, E-dubs. right? I mean, he. Yeah, I mean, honestly, he blew like, it open. One yeah. for one, Riggy. Good pick. <laughs> um, so kind of a spinoff of that one. Better Selly, a Tiger fist pump or the Chi Chi sword dance? Say that one more time. So the better celebration, Tiger yep. fist pump or Chi Chi sword dance? Oh. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I remember watching Chi Chi when I was young and really thought it was cool, right? And yeah. really thought it was unique. And then, so I liked it. But w- when Tiger had like the epic fist pumps, um, that like brought a level of excitement to uh-huh. to me in golf that I'd never seen before. But yeah. I mean, Chi Chi being unique like Chi Chi for sure, but. Tiger, Tiger did really that in huge moments too. Oh, Tiger just got you so excited. And tell Tiger, I love, I like watching golf, and I enjoyed it, and I played since I was twelve, and I was a little bit pre-Tiger, um, at least on tour. But man, that excitement when he would have those fist bumps was something I hadn't experienced around golf before. Yeah, man. He, yeah, he for sure brought some serious personality and energy <laughs> to the game. Why hey. did you not throw in Shooter McGavin? <laughs> That's good. We should have Yeah, we should have talked about that earlier because that's that's pretty dang good too. That was our um, generation classic. Yeah, absolutely. Oh uh, yeah, good stuff. Uh, what is your lowest round ever? Uh, Sixty-four, a couple times. Um, once in a in a round with uh, some friends, and then once over at Tate Mark at one of our local proams. Wow. Okay, so that's eight in the eight in the red, eh? 
eight, eight at Midland Hills and seven at um, Southview, where that's a par 71. Yeah. Incredible. That's legit. Yeah, that's all right, huh? Riggy, yeah, that's fun. I, do you remember, Riggy, when I golfed with you and your parents at Keller? <laughs> I think I, I shot day, a 64. Didn't I shoot a six on the first, what, five holes? Like I yep. had a 64. That was enjoyable. We <laughs> had the cards. Yeah, that was fun. I think we went to Applebee's after. It was good times all around. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, do you have a hole in one? I have two holes in one. You do? Um, one down in college at a course in El Paso on to New Mexico State and Las Cruces down there. Um, okay. And then the second one in Georgia. Both of them were in tournaments. And, really? Um, great that they were in tournaments, but unfortunately, like one was right into the sun, a six iron, and I just couldn't see it. Somebody in my group thought it was in, and then the other one was a little downhill, and I couldn't see it go in either, but that was like a five iron. So Both times, huh? You didn't get to see it. Couldn't see it, which was too bad, but yeah, I waited a long time. I played since I was 12, and then I think I was 20... Must have been 22 when I got my first one, so it took a while. And a lot of people, yeah. hole in ones are interesting because some people have 15, and some people don't have any. So something about it. Yeah, there's legit players on tour that don't that don't yeah. have one, which is correct. Nuts. Best right? players in the world. Yeah. How about you? You have any, Lude? I do. I got one. Uh, seven at Manitou. Number, ah. number seven at Manitou. The old. Red Where was pin, the, pin was the up. location front? So the pin was up. Yep, it was just kind of a little baby wedge. It's a nice smooth wedge. It landed, I don't know, probably five feet right of the hole, and all of a sudden had a little side spin. And I see the thing trickling. All of a sudden it dropped, and I'm like, dude, you got to be freaking kidding me! And I was <laughs> playing with a buddy, yeah, buddy Scotty Brom, and then some other dude was trying to like play through. So they were like talking to each other. They didn't even see it. And I'm like, dude, I got my hands up in the air, and he's like, right. what happened? <laughs> Like, what do you I'm think like, happened? I'm like, dude, it went in. He's like, no. Went and peeled your flying lady out, and the rest <laughs> is history. <laughs> Grab that pink one. Hey, what? let me ask you this, Riggy. Sorry, I don't mean to jump on your spot here, Luther, but what's more impressive? And this might be an obvious answer, but is it a hole-in-one on a par three or like an albatross? Is that what you call it, albatross? A two on a five? Yeah. Double, double leagues? That's you my know? next question. Oh, damn it. I stepped all over them. <laughs> Just forget so, what I said. Do you we'll have go, a double eagle? That's what, yeah. That's we'll go back two I, holes where you got your uh, your hole-in-one. So number five at uh, Manitou, I made oh, one. Oh, you do? For a, for a two. You know, double eagles are, yeah, probably odds-wise, I couldn't tell you, but they're very low odds. But I, I, I made that double eagle and i had one hole in one but what I, I guess what i'd say about it is if you don't have a hole in one then you're probably not as impressed by a double eagle but i would say to make a shot on a par five whether it's from you know a couple hundred yards or 250 or something almost a little more challenging but yeah for sure everybody's right. after a hole in one as a golf novice i mean i i I love watching golf. It's honestly one of my favorite sports to watch, but I don't play it a ton. But I would think that part of it, too, for an albatross or a double eagle or whatever the kids are calling it these days, mm -hmm. is that you hit your second shot without a tee. Right. Is that a factor? I mean, Absolutely. I know it is for me. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, like Luther had a hole-in-one with a wedge or a hole-in-one with a 
you know, more lofted club seven iron. And those who sometimes make one off the ground without a tee with a three wood would certainly be, you know, considered possibly a, a tougher shot. Um, right. But yeah, it's there's so much luck involved, right? That on either of them, get the right bounce. You got to hit the right shot. And, you know, y'all hear these random stories like, I had a hole in one. I kind of thin scalded it a little bit, but it rolled in anyway. I was kind of embarrassed, but, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah the, you, the double legal is pretty, pretty special as well. Yeah, if you think about a hole in one, like your odds of topping one and running one up to the hole versus like flying one in, right? You know, you got pretty good odds if you can just run it up the chute versus. I think, I think so. Kind of, kind of land one up there high. Uh, what do we got here? What? Who's in your dream foursome? Call. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> question. <laughs> um, I think for sure Tiger. Right. Um, yeah. He'd, he'd jump in there. Probably, you know, I would, if we were just going golfers, yeah, I think Tiger, if we went more new school for one of them, I'd, I'd probably, you know, land on, land on a guy like, you know, even maybe Bryson, but Dustin Johnson, somebody who's just pounding the ball off the universe would just be just, fun to watch. Right. Um, so you get to talk to DJ about Gretzky. <laughs> right? You get a whole variety of, of stories with him. Um, what's, what's he like at Thanksgiving? <laughs> right? And then probably like, I think Jack, you know. You know, if you threw some other athletes in there, you know, I made a little Michael Jordan. I know he's a huge golf fan and player yeah. phil mickelson uh, where do you go wrong with that guy i mean the stories that guy has yeah he's entertaining yeah. so somewhere i'd say like tiger phil and then one of the newer you know maybe a dj just to watch the watch the newer guys slam it 350 yards yeah no doubt no doubt hey last one and this will kind of i think lead into what we'll get into later but um, when you're playing your best, you're thinking about blank. When I'm playing my best, I'm thinking about. Uh, I would say like I would say the 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 external variables, basically meaning the lie, the the shot, the course. Um, one thing I've learned as I've gotten older is not not the swing, right? So not thinking about mechanical swing positions as I'm playing my best more thinking about yardages wind things like that um I spent okay, a lot of my career management. yeah getting more mechanical and as I've gotten older and, and learned how to score better I've I've found that that's not quite the answer once you're playing uh-huh so are you saying work on the shot work on the technique work on the uh mechanics it, it, well you're not playing and then yep. when you get out there let it rip you got it. More driving range. And if you're on the course practicing, you know, that's fine as well. But I, well, from what I hear from all the interviews and all the guys, it's it's so much visual, visual uh, visualization and and being in the moment. And I think that's probably in, in any sport, right? If if somebody's making a run and, you know, Jordan's making the basket look like a, you know, bucket of some sort, I think he's just has zero 
technique on his mind and just letting it go. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with that. What so about you, Luth, when you're playing ball? I mean, are you same thing? You know, for me, yeah. I mean, I think when I've played my best, I, you know, obviously I'm confident, but it's like I can almost tell what I'm going to do like before it happens. So mm. like in and at bat, I'll be like, all right, I'm going to look for a fastball middle, middle away, and I'm going to try and drive it to left center. And like, there's been a few times where like I've been pretty locked in. We're like, okay, that's just what I'm going to do. And I think, yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm really calm. Number one, but yeah. number two, like I'm I, I go up there with a plan, and then it's just executed. And and really, like, there's no other option. You know, like I'm not thinking about hitting a girl. You know, I'm not rolling over. I'm not gonna miss this i'm not gonna hit a foul ball like it's like this is what i'm gonna do and it's just gonna happen so so that's kind of that's funny you say that because riggy talked about visualization and that's basically what you just described Uh, yeah yeah i know players do it and they practice it um and i think that it's it's huge for sure do you do you do that every shot riggy yeah i do i tend you know i somewhere in the pre-shot routine i as I get closer to actually swinging, getting ready to hit, yeah, there's a different kind of knob that gets turned and, and making sure it's it's a visual versus I catch a lot of people that I teach golf to are like, well, I really got to swing the club like this. And um, you just rarely, rarely hear that from uh, a tour player or anybody who is at that high level. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're working more on like their management and their visualization, right. not their swing plane. Yeah, not. and when you're a beginner, I you know, and you're just learning how to swing the club, you're things just trying are a little to hit different. It. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, sweet. Yeah, we can get into that a little bit later too. Um, I wanted to rewind like with your career and talk about because when we were in high school, us three all graduated together. By the way, um, and you guys won the state championship your senior year. I just wanted to hear about that experience and like what kind of what effect did that have on your career? Did it like make you want to play college, or were you already set on playing college, or just talk about that experience a little bit? Yeah, so that year I, I such a big group of good athletes, whether Eric the football team or Luther a hockey team, and and as I was going through those years I didn't play football obviously but played hockey and and just a bunch of talent with a bunch of friends we've all been friends since you know middle school or earlier and Luther, I think we played traveling baseball together and hockey since who knows maybe squirts but definitely peewees I guess yeah peewees yeah um and so just being around that was important and then as I Got on that team, George, another friend of ours, Butkovich, was the captain of the team. And as the year was starting, he said, yeah, we have these these two sophomores that are really good. And, you know, I didn't know uh, Mike Greer and Grant Lissick at that point in time. I, I came back to White Bear for my senior year. And um, these guys, as, you know, sophomore, 16-year-old kids were – shooting even par under par in competition is just something i hadn't seen before you kind of seeing that today you're seeing a lot of really young kids play really good golf and shoot really good scores so 
George and I were playing golf. George actually started me playing golf. Um, and George's dad built my first set of clubs. Um, so George and I were always very familiar with each other. And then to have these other two younger kids on the team really pushed us over, over the hump. And, um, George was the great leader and friend of mine. And, but to see these youngsters play at that level was really cool. So, uh, so did you guys have to kind of keep up with them in a sense? Like, did yeah, you guys I mean, feed off of them. Be like, well, all right, well, we gotta like, we gotta show these guys up too a little bit. Absolutely. So our the the state tournament, our team won, and then individually, Grant Lissick, the so- a sophomore, won. I think he tied for first place for winning the whole thing. So kind of shows you how good those guys were. Um, yeah. So we would back then we were playing quite a few nine hole matches. Now everything's eighteen holes mostly. Um, some schools play nine still. And, you know, we, we did really well there. And then 18 holes, those two really had a knack for shooting some low scores. Um, they would, they would beat me quite a bit. So it was, it was fun to play with them, but absolutely very, uh, motivated to, to beat him and, and obviously beat George. And that's one of the cool things about athletics is you can have, those close friends and yet you want to, you know, compete with them. So, yeah, for sure. Riggy, I've got one reminiscent before we jump into your career, your passion, <laughs> uh, and you know, your, your training and teaching yeah. <clears throat> when, when you went to Blake, you said you came back to white bear your senior year. One of my fondest memories that I bring up to you probably just about every time that I see you <laughs> is when I came to watch you perform at the Minnesota state high school hockey tournament for the Blake bears. <laughs> and you walked in over the blue line and shelved one. Never forget it. Just want to throw that in there, give you a little kudos. This man scored a goal in the Minnesota State High School Hockey Tournament. Yeah, it's it so fun, right? I mean, such a great tradition in White Bear. And, and I didn't um, – the our class, when they are going through White Bear, I think, was it sophomore year that they went to state tournament? Um, yes. And so I went with Blake, but then I came back my senior year. We didn't make it. We lost Heartbreaker, one zip. Um, in the Hill second Murray. final, Dan Kaler, dude, Dan Kaler, yeah. unscurrable. Yeah. So that luckily I got to sneak into one of those with Blake and I, cause I never got to do it again. And to experience that, that atmosphere was amazing. And actually Luther and I skated together almost our whole senior year. And that was a blast and, you know, really hoping to, to make it there that year. But, and that was the thing about the golf state championship which was kind of nice because i think we growing up our hockey teams were always top five in the state um and the fact we didn't make it to the state that year was was definitely hard to swallow so it was it was nice to win the win the golf tournament but or the state golf tournament so if i remember right that was the only state championship brought home by either men or women in the 2000 class of white bear lake (laughs) i may be mistaken but i think i'm onto something here so kudos to you guys on that (laughs) Hey, so didn't all you guys too, well, the, the four that you've talked about, Lissick, Greer, yourself, and George, all played all played golf in college. Who was the fifth guy? Is there five guys on a, on a squad? How does that work? Yeah, so our team um, would rotate, right? So our fifth guy was, and sixth guy, they were, they were different. Um, gotcha. So it would kind of, it would sure. go in and out, but Grant... And Mike and George and I really occupied those four spots, and then nice. um, and then it would kind of go back and forth. So yeah, 
yeah, Paul Hansen was on the squad that he was on part of that state tournament team as well. Um, so he's a white bear guy. Nice. Plays golf at Indian Hills these days. So yeah, cool. Nice. Where where'd you go to college? Where'd you where'd you play college golf? So I went to New Mexico State. I, I didn't play collegiate. I played. Uh, we had our uh, basically within the university was a professional golf management program. Can liken it to like a minor in you know getting your PGA licensure, if you would. And mm-hmm. so we played. I don't know, probably twenty. 15, 20 tournaments a semester. So very competitive, like within our own program, maybe like 20, 30 guys a tournament. And we actually had a great time doing that. Um, I did uh, for a year before I went to Perhaps, Mexico yeah. State. Yeah, I went to a year of school. I was still playing hockey. And then yeah. I went to a year at Temple. And I had a, had a, I was a, I was a little tryout with the golf team there that didn't end up working out. And that's when I headed down to the desert and just wanted to play some golf. So, yeah, yeah. it was what? a good spot down there, though. I enjoyed it. Yeah. How many years were you down there? I was down there probably three to – probably ended up being four. Uh, we did – we do an internship. I did over at the White Bear Yacht Club here in town and um, a few other Minnesota guys down there at the time. So, yeah, great program. You know, the winters, you've obviously spent some time down in Phoenix, so the winters are fantastic. Uh-huh. And, um, never yeah. had to stop golfing. And coming from Minnesota, that was a, that was a treat. So, Didn't you leave Temple, too, because of that, uh, what happened? Do you want to talk about that story? Yeah, or no, would you I rather mean, that leave was, that out of here? No, that was a tryout, and I, you know, I... No, 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 I'm talking about, didn't you get robbed? Oh, yeah. So that was an incident that, that happened. I had... Yeah, I got held up at gunpoint. Um, Holy shit. Kind of yeah, kind of a naive college kid. Uh, and um, I made it through it, you know, no no injury, probably a little, you know, psychological damage, but <laughs> kind of <laughs> ended up. In, that sent you to New Mexico, <laughs> the right? opposite end of the country. <laughs> yeah, coming through, uh, coming through okay these days. But yeah, that was, that was something, you know. I, I always had a feeling of, wanting to go see a, a bigger city and enjoy that and I did enjoy my time there that was unfortunate but but yeah it was it was fun got a chance to go to some uh, Flyers games some Philly games uh, 76ers and so Philly's a really actually cool town um, very strong sports town and great fans out there intense Speaking and good of, robbers yeah got me <laughs> Got me pretty good. Speaking of one of my favorite TV shows is Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I'll give Great those show. guys a shout out too. Great show. Yeah. Never got into that, man. I gotta I gotta catch up. I gotta It's wrong on a lot a lot of levels, but they're <laughs> they're funny and they can make fun of themselves. So yeah. It's a good way to sum that one up. Yeah, it's huge. Hey, uh so then after college, like did you did you toil around a little bit mini tour or How'd that work for you? Yeah, so um, right away came back here, worked at Troy Byrne for Dave Tennis, who's has a wonderful uh, golf history here in Minnesota, and then played down in Florida, uh, North North and South Carolina, Georgia, a little bit in that area. Some out on the Dakotas tour here, and um, really enjoyed that. Uh, 
didn't quite compete at the level I was hoping for. Figured out how good these golfers really are and ended up basically doing that for, I would say, yeah, two or three years. And in the meantime, I was teaching golf as well, kind of when I was home and had a small group of clients that I kept and um, eventually came back home and, and started teaching and, and started the business back up and still playing a lot these days. Definitely a better player today than I was in the past. I Something to that with age. I think we all mature a little bit. So, yeah, I see the game a little differently than I used to, but... Yeah, you know, on any level like that of sports, I remember going to tournaments and people watch the PGA Tour and see, oh, 62, 63, these guys are amazing. You knock down one or two levels from them and th the same numbers are there. So no matter uh, where you go, everybody was in those mid-60s, low-60s quite a bit. Wow. Yeah, so it's... So yeah. So what do you think the difference is from, like, mini tour guys to, you know, PGA guys? You know, guys that are just trying to make it and lower level pros in, in PGA. What Like, for you, what's the biggest difference? Yeah, I think, you know, that's that's the kind of little bit we touched on earlier, the, the visualization, the mental piece where, you know, what's on the line, what what are you playing for? when you jump up a level and all of a sudden you, you know, maybe have your dreams in front of you and your nerves spike up a bit and, yep. you know, some people have it, some people don't. Uh, for me personally, I think what I would physically talent level, you know, I, I don't think I was all that far off of, you know, competing on some of those mini tours, but getting scores and basically getting it done, I think, is what really separated the players. I, you know, I would, I'd go out and watch some guys play. I'd play with other guys. You'd watch their golf swing, kind of like, ah, oh, not that impressive. And then you'd sign the scorecard at the end of the day, and I'd get beat by seven shots <laughs> by a guy that didn't look like he had too good of a golf swing. And then you start to realize, like, oh, well, okay, there's just, there's just flat out players out there that get it done. And yeah, there's something, you know, I, at every sport, right. That yeah. tips them over the edge. Um, and they're really good. They're all really good. I've had a chance to play with quite, you know, a few of those guys that ended up making it and yeah, very consistent, very solid, very strong players that even at that point in time, when they're on the mini tours, they were pretty dominant. they, the really good ones kind of quickly worked their way through those mini tours and, and got to where they needed to be. So, Riggy, I think we'll probably have you on again. So I want to save some of those stories and maybe talk about that part of your career. But I think what we'd like to talk about now really is what you do for a job, your passion, um, and the way that you coach and teach and kind of get into a little bit of that and how it how it came to be, what you do, and really – Let's talk about what you do and see if we can get some people uh, signed up. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm over at Keller Golf Course, and I've been out there. That's St. Paul, Maplewood area, for those who aren't familiar. I've been out there for seven years now. I just actually had a meeting. Uh, my boss and the director of golf operations is Mark Foley, and 
you two know Mark as well. Mark was great guy. Uh, yeah, sponsor of the show too. Yeah, there you go. Oh yeah. Mark was uh, at Manitou Ridge when I grew up, and George Butkovich was a part of that crew, and you guys, and so I was able to actually, Longstead, you'll you'll know this. So we were having a fantasy football draft, and I knew that Mark was going from Manitou Ridge, where I grew up playing golf, and I know I knew he was going over to Keller. So it was actually after. One of those fantasy football drafts. I was, I had been teaching uh, indoor at different places and a couple different courses around the Twin Cities, and I knew Mark was going over to Keller. And Mark had been, you know, a golf PGA golf pro that had been in my life for some time. Um, and I talked to him in the parking lot after a draft. He probably won that year. I think early on in our league, he was winning all the championships. I <laughs> know <laughs> it's you. <laughs> but then I just I talked to him and I said, hey, you know, I'm I'm ready to fully commit to teaching. And I know you're heading to Keller and, you know, do you have any plans for teachers? And, you know, the conversations went on from there. So it was really special in that growing up as a as a young golfer that I could reconnect with a, a PGA professional like Mark, who was the head professional at a course that I spent so much time at growing up. And then, so I've been with him for the last seven years at Keller. We do all kinds of stuff. I do private lessons out there. We, we have junior programs. We have beginner golf programs. We have high school academies, all kinds of interesting and fun uh, groups. So, yeah, we, we hit all, all different age groups. And I, I really enjoy really, you know, working with all kinds of people that Honestly, part of the job is, is just being in that relationship with people. And Luther, I know you've done quite a bit of coaching and, you know, the, the technical aspects of coaching, I, I really enjoy as well. And then equally enjoy the ability to really get to know people. Yeah, for especially sure, man. That's... Young families and stuff such as that. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Um, what is, so just in general, like what is your teaching philosophy or like how do you go about a lesson typically like let's say you're john williamson and you need to you're a 15 handicap and you're looking to get down to a 10 i'm yeah. gonna fix my swing what do you like what do you do yeah you and then piggyback it? on that do you work with somebody who's bad like me who's gonna shoot 100 or somebody who's close and refining do you run the right. gamut so kind of answer both those if you can yeah so something that as i've taught for um taught longer it, it, it became clear to me you know a couple of few years ago that I, you know people I need a plan right so there's there's the guy who comes and he says I'm a 10 and I want to get down to a five there's somebody like yourself Eric who's you know shooting 100 and he's like I want to break 90 and so what I'll end up doing is basically if, filling out a form if you will um, now physically I do fill out forms but if you could think about it as, you know, who are you? What do you want out of the game? Those are big questions right away. So if somebody, I'll get the lesson that comes and they say, hey, I got a tournament tomorrow. Can you help me? And absolutely. So now I'm going to basically fix that golf swing now and give you something to play with tomorrow. And then I'll have the client that says I'm committed. And my goal is always to have you playing well. I don't want you know, golf instruction, I think too often 
sets people back quite a bit. Um, there are reasons for that, but you've seen some horror stories on the PGA Tour where people just fall off and you never see them again. So it's important yeah. to me that people are enjoying themselves while they're working hard. But part of what I do is I, I go through a type of an assessment. I'm looking at, you know, what's going on physically, what's going on, what your cap capabilities are, how's your full swing, how's your short game, how's your putting. We got to knock all that stuff out if we're going to really knock some scores down. Some people, a lot of people when they come, especially new golfers, they're kind of show me how to hit the driver, show me how to hit the ball better. I'll have a lesson I'm watching them hit and I'm thinking, okay, they're shooting maybe 80 and they tell me they're shooting 95. And then I say, okay, it's time to go putt and chip because their right. swing looks great, <laughs> and but yeah. they're not getting something done, right? So it's really customized to, to that degree. And the teaching philosophy is really that I, I, of course, there's like mechanical positions that, you know, I may prefer, but I want, I want them hitting the ball better really quick, enjoying themselves and, and getting on their way as quick as possible. I've been in situations where I've had people come to me, I'm ready to rebuild my swing and I'll take the, the whole summer to do it and went down that road a few times and that, that's tricky because golf season's so short in Minnesota, you want yeah. them to enjoy themselves. Winter is a great time to train in that sense is any kind right. of big swing overhauls I like to do inside in the winter. So come, you know, April, we're rolling. Have you ever had somebody come to you who was so bad that said, hey, John, I want you to teach me how to really strike the irons well and you in your head you were like dude you should play tennis is there honestly though like i know you can't say that but have there been people who are so bad that were such a project to you yeah that you almost didn't want to do it right so i teach quite a few beginner classes so keller is owned by ramsey county and so i offer beginning golf classes through ramsey county and i have people every year that have never swung golf club in their life so no doubt about it and it's 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 amazing like over the years i've really tweaked my philosophy and my methods to how to teach brand new golfers a lot of it is understanding you know how to get the ball in the air and how not to get try to get the ball in the air and sure but no doubt uh, you know it's like anything people come you know i'll go out and play one day personally and i'll say i go out and shoot a 70 a couple under par and i go out the next day and shoot a 75 and I just don't have it that next day, right? And right. new golfers and certain golfers don't quite understand that, hey, sometimes their day is off. Sometimes yeah. you just don't have it. And so there are definitely times when the expectations kind of butt heads and they're not playing well. And, you know, it gets challenging at times. But most people have enough patience to, to push through that stuff. But sure, absolutely. Certain so challenges. it runs the people you coach obviously runs the gamut. It runs the gamut from the me to the guy Correct. who's refined or the woman who's refined who you're going to teach. So here's my next question. What is more satisfying for you as a teacher? Is it taking somebody who sh shoots 100 and getting them down into the, you know, low 80s or is it refining that person who's, you know, mid to low 70s and really honing their game and, and turning them into an absolute killer? What what to you is is, you know, the better feeling? Yeah, you know, the, there's something about taking – here's how I'd, I guess, 
differentiate it. The the one the person like you who's a little higher handicapped. The what I really like about watching you go from a hundred to ninety is just like the joy, right? Like, oh my gosh, like I can play golf and I have fun <laughs> sure. and yeah, their eyes get big. They're like, oh my god, yeah, broke ninety. Right? This is phenomenal. I played yeah. golf twice a year mostly, but now like I saw a lot of that this summer. More people have more time to practice and people who typically played three to five times a year were playing 20 to 30 and they were telling me all summer like I broke my low score I you know I'm playing more it's fun that's what I really get out of like taking you know maybe a beginner somebody's in the high handicaps like a 30 and dropping them to a 20 and that that excitement that they feel to keep going definitely keeps me going and gets me excited and then with the really good players um that's something a little different in that when they're competing, you get to go online, look at a tournament, you know, hit the scoreboard, and that's your guy, right? Sitting, you know, up towards yeah. the top of the leaderboard, and that's something surely I'm proud of as well. And 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 then getting beat, right, by some of your clients is always interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't so. it Lee Trevino who said? I I think it was him, and I may be wrong, and somebody will know I'm wrong, but. He yeah. said, somebody asked him, how come you never had a golf coach? And he's like, well, I never found one who could beat me. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's a, you know, there's a lot there, Eric. And I think, I think it's both. I mean, I, I like all kinds of different players and all of them bring a different kind of, you know, fun and happiness and give me motivation to to keep doing it so yeah i like that answer you left you left it open to all your clientele nobody's going to be offended by that <laughs> you ran the gamut that was right. a good answer yeah dude i i love it like the moments where you see them get it you know yeah they like you know they take a swing and like a guy that can't like for me for baseball a guy that can't pull or only pulls he just can't hit the other way like his swing is so outside and around once he finally gets it and you just see him stop and be like, oh my gosh, like that's freaking sweet. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's, that's what you do it for. Like when you get that, you're like, yep, right there. hundred percent. Yep. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Um, so question I got for you, because I've felt so probably post-college, maybe two, three years out of college is when I started teaching baseball while I was still playing. And I learned so much, like, when I started teaching and coaching, like it's crazy how much I was learning because I had to teach it. Um, and I was able to apply it to my game. And I feel like I really wish when I was 18, 19, 20, like I got into teaching or coaching because, you know, I would have been a much better player in my early 20s and whatever. Like for you as a teacher, how much has that helped your playing career? Yeah. Uh, I would say almost the exact same thing you did there. I would, as a golf instructor, working right out of college, I went and I worked at Troy Byrne. And at the time, there wasn't any other teachers out there. I would teach occasionally. I was more in the, an assistant professional role and running tournaments and, and things like that. So I knew I wanted to teach. I knew I could play, but what I needed was a mentor, right? I needed somebody to teach me how to teach. Um, I could figure it out to a degree, but I knew there was something missing. So when I had quite a few mentors along the way, but when I went 
and learned and was able to understand how to teach my golf game took a took it took it up a notch without a doubt um prior to kind of my main mentors i was i i would say if you looked at my scoring average within local tournaments from you know five to seven years ago kind of when i started some of my time in my training to now you would see a pretty massive scoring average dip so no doubt about it um and now i did have instructors as as a i think the first lesson i had another common coach for us charlie basco works over at manito as well he was great and i learned stuff from him and he allowed me to hit the ball better and, and did a nice job but there was a whole new level when i figured out why my ball is curving left why is it curving right why am i you know why am i hitting it good why am i not scoring why am i why am i not making the putts you know once i started learning about it all then actually there's a little mid-level in there where i got to watch out for still today i can't take my instruction knowledge and make my rounds technical if i do that if i'm if i got my instructor hat on and i'm playing in a tournament it doesn't always go very well but since i've been teaching now i my my knowledge is far greater and it allows me to do a lot different things on the course that i hadn't been able to do before so i would agree with you and say that i probably wasn't half the player i am today and a lot of that had to do with good mentors learning how to teach and and just teaching right so the more you teach the better right the more you see well it's crazy like you know i'm well, I don't know what the stats, I don't know what the numbers are, but like when you're being taught, you retain, I don't know, 20% of the information, but when you're teaching, it's somewhere in like 80 to 90% retention rate. Right. You know, I mean, you just, you have to, you have to remember everything and you have to know the finer details and you have to, and then, yeah, like for me, man, like once I had learned all that stuff, like before I was just kind of playing and I had half an idea what I was doing. But then once I started to get on the flip side of it and like have to teach it, and now it's like, oh, sweet. Now I can go play and like understand how to go get a short hop ground ball, understand what my approach is at the plate now. Like I'm not just seeing it hitting it, I'm actually going up with the plan. Like it's just, it, it was really interesting to me to kind of go through that process for a few years and understand like, man, if this would have happened when I was 18, 19, 20, like that would have been awesome like and I, and I wonder like thinking about this out loud like i think it's it'd be a good idea to have you know younger kids have to teach it yeah you I know think, i mean right i think what what i missed my instructor taught me how to swing the golf club and, and listening to you and and going up to the plate with a plan i think what i lacked for a long time was a plan and understanding how to play golf, how to shoot a score, which is a whole different thing than hitting a good golf shot. So I think I missed that early on in my career. I think you're referring to that a little bit as well. So I see that much more common and I try to do that with my clients today. When I'm watching them on the driving range and they're shooting scores higher than I think they should, I'm going to take them onto the course and I'm going to say, well, what are we doing out here? Why you're hitting the ball, let's say at a 10 handicap level, 
should be shooting, you know, 82, but your scores are reflective of 95 and something on the course isn't working for you. So that, that is the process. You're seeing it more in golf today and probably more in all sports, but that's what I felt like I maybe missed a little bit. And now that I understand. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You, you mentioned golf today. So what are your thoughts? I know it's kind of a hot button issue right now with Bryson, you know, hitting it 350, 360, whatever he's, whatever he's doing. And he's, you know, kind of taking the, the game to a different level distance wise, kind of like what Tiger did, you know, late nineties when he came onto the scene. Do you think like in five years, the game's going to be quite a bit different? Yeah. So what I, I think what Bryson did was, was pretty amazing, right? Put on the weight to, to bulk up. Like as athletes, we all know that takes a heck of a lot of drive and dedication to to do that, especially, you know, historically you think about golfers and you don't think of Bryson Tiger. Tiger certainly opened that door and yeah, people forget that he was he was the bomber, you know, 15, 20 years ago. I think Ben Crenshaw was on the broadcast of the Masters and Tiger had won maybe his first US amateur, but he was playing at Augusta and Crenshaw was saying, I knew how good he was but I had no idea how far he could hit the ball. And so that's when Tiger was hitting, you know, when he won his first Masters, there was wedges into par fives and nine irons. So you saw a course that hadn't caught up. Today you're seeing that a little more. Um, Some of these guys like Bryson, your Dustin Johnson, and they keep getting longer. So what I think is that eventually they're going to have to slow it down like it almost be like a tour ball if you will here and here's why for your average golfer it's changing a little bit but it's not changing that much i don't want to slow your average club golfer down at all but the more distance for them the better what's gonna i think what's gonna prove to be tricky for the tour is gonna be golf courses so how many more golf courses are we gonna build how long do they have to be and that's a lot of wonderful golf courses are going to be out of the rotation because they're just not long enough. And I, I like it. I think it's fun to watch. It's just a matter of where the tour wants to go. There's a lot of birdies. It's a lot of fun to watch guys hit, hit bombs like they are right now. But I think at some point in time, they'll probably – slow them down it's kind of you know maybe like a wood bat versus a aluminum bat kind of thing in baseball yeah some sort of equipment whether it's a the ball issue or a club issue or whatever yeah um golf yeah golf wrx website came out with some research and it talked about how far people are hitting it within certain handicap ranges and you know i think it was Handicaps from like zero to six are hitting it like 250 yards. That was on average. Okay. So talking about that right now, we know that that's nothing like what's happening on tour. So when it comes to your average golfer playing at their home club, home course, no reason to slow them down. But yeah, the tour, on the other hand, there, there's going to have to be changed no matter what. I'm not sure what that's all going to look like, but I do think it'll end up being in the nature of an equipment 
change. Yeah, because I mean, at some point, you're going to run out of real estate. Like, you know, certain yeah. courses do have more real estate where they can work with, but some are like, you know, they're wrapped in a whatever square mile plot of land, and you just freaking there's no there's not enough room to expand. So I mean, yeah, nowhere to go. Um, and I, it's it's hard. It's hard to keep building golf courses and. The person who's hitting at 220 in the 220 to 250 range, who is most of golf players, 200 to 250, they don't necessarily want to go play an 8,000-yard course. It's not going to be a whole lot of fun. So there's different yeah. tee boxes for them to play, but I, I think it's fantastic. I, I'm really excited about how many athletes are playing golf today. So I'm not against distance in any way, and I'm actually excited to see that People yeah. are treating golf more like a sport and more, you know, the training, the speed training, that, that all is very exciting to me. And I yeah. think has a lot of potential. Yeah, it's good. I just was thinking the other day, it's like, man, I think, you know, within the next 10 years, if Bryson's inspiring, you know, a 14, 15, 16 year old kid watching right now, and when that kid's, you know, 25, and in the next 10 years, if there's a wave of golfers that are basically long drivers that are playing golf, yeah. you know, I think it's just going to, it's going to change the game similar to what Tiger did. You know, all these guys now, like DJ, JT, Ricky, all those dudes that are like right around 30 years old grew up watching Tiger. And that's right. why the tour is so deep right now. Like there's 30 guys that can win the Masters this week because tiger's impact on the game and i'm just curious to see like what bryson's impact and the long distance will have in the next five ten years yeah and it, it will have an impact and it'll be fun to watch i think you know the the technological changes today are are wild as well right so in the you know back in the day if you hit a drive out on the toe of the club or the heel of the club you would it would be very penal right now yep you can miss a shot and still be in the fairway. And so these things start to compound a little bit. And, you know, the, that high-level talent, you see it really rising right now. And you see, like you said, there's 30 people who can win. Every time you turn the tour event on, it's 20 under, 15. And 10 years ago to now, it's it's changed a lot. Yeah, yeah. So we lost Angi, man. <laughs> Angi, <laughs> Angi's audio's out. Don't so, worry, but I did have a good Bryson joke about him eating macaroni and cheese, but don't worry about it. <laughs> he said he had some joke about Bryson. I don't know what the schmacks. Um, <laughs> before we wrap up, what? Uh, how can people get a hold of you if they're interested in? Well, actually, let's talk briefly about your uh, your winter facility. You got. Minnesota Golf and Entertainment out in St. Paul, right? Yeah. What's that set up like? I got to so come I'm, check it out, by the way. Yeah, well, let's get you out and get you on the video. You got a pretty sweet swing. I think your your <laughs> listeners would like to see it. Um, so I'm downtown St. Paul, and what I'm my facility is across the street from the Excel, right near St. Joe's Hospital right in kind of that center of downtown. And the entertainment piece comes, last year I opened it, and prior to Wild Games, did quite a few events. So ticket holders or 
really anybody who was coming down for a wild game could bring a group of people. I have two simulators, one Trackman, one HD Golf, full-scale simulators, play rounds on, practice, play games, putting green. It's about 1,000 square feet. Um, really sits nicely in that six to eight person range. Two foursomes yeah. is, a, is a good number. And so the entertainment piece comes an idea of getting people over before wild games. The the building that I work in has a parking lot that basically sells out for wild games. So you've been down before, I think. So with that, when I have the entertainment piece, obviously the wild aren't playing right now, but offer free parking for the game, get them in prior to the game, have a good time, play some golf, food and beverage, walk over to the game. That's, that's that piece. And then I, uh, I basically do all my private instruction here in the winters. I have my boys and girls high school academy. They come in every other week in the morning on the weekends and, and work. And so, yeah, it's, it, it's a great facility. It was fully, it's probably the second full winter. Last year we were rolling pretty good when COVID hit. So that was an odd, odd situation. But now that this winter's here, COVID obviously is still around, but, um, we're, I'm doing the privates right now down here, and I'll do some some of my small group stuff. So, yeah, it's a great facility. TrackMan, obviously, is a big name. People really like it. It's a tool that can both be used as a simulator and give us a lot of data for fitting and for just golf swing and your club path and all that kind of technical jargon that some people know. So, yeah, facility's great. I really like it down here. Keller's my home in the summer. Obviously, uh-huh. in Minnesota, people don't really want to be inside during the summer months. But right. the winter months, yeah, it's a it's a good spot. I really enjoy it. And, yeah, I'd like to have you down. Yeah, man. We'll fire out a video. We'll get some stuff going. Good Great. stuff. Awesome, yeah. man. Well, I appreciate you joining. And Eric says the same, although a little thumbs up here. But, uh <laughs> Yeah, man, we'll we'll get you on another time, and we'll get uh, get some more stuff going. So, appreciate it, man. Yeah, all right, Lou. Uh, thanks, Eric. You guys are great. Always a pleasure, and uh, look forward to seeing you and talking with you again soon. All right, that'll wrap it up. Hey, thanks, Ricky, for coming on. Thanks, Onstead, for being a part of it, as always. And thank you guys for listening. And also, thanks, JP4 Foundation, for supporting the show, man. That's freaking awesome. Love you guys. And, hey, we're going to talk to you soon, guys. We're going to keep her going. Learn, try, know, and achieve. Um, babe.